Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. And I, I want to share my heart with you today. I want to tell you that on Wednesday I fasted all day. And I actually was wrestling in prayer. And I was wrestling with the word. You see, I want to bring to a conclusion my series entitled Fearless about the life of David. But something would not. I kept on going back to my computer and I kept on studying about Absalom and the life of David. And something would not allow me to continue writing that sermon. And I knew at some point God was saying, no, this is not what I want you to speak about this Sunday. And so I got back on my knees again and I cried out to the Lord. I said, God, what do you want me to say on Sunday? And I believe the Lord gave me a message for somebody that's here today. So I think that God actually interrupted my series on Fearless because somebody, whether it's here, whether it's Somebody that's watching via live stream today, wherever you are, you need to hear this sermon today. I believe that every sermon is life-changing. And I believe that if you open your heart, God will speak to you today. First Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here. Everybody say, leave here. Leave here. Turn eastward and Hidian and the, the Kirith ravine east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later, everybody say sometime later. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. For I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. This morning, my message is entitled, Are You Dried Up? Are you dried up? Or has your brook run dry? And I want you to know that as God is my witness today, I believe that God wants to speak to somebody clearly about a new season in their life. You see, the truth is God knows that there's somebody here this morning that it seems like everything around you has simply dried up. Emotionally, you feel like you're dried up. Spiritually, you feel like the river that once flowed deeply in your soul has dried up. Relationally, there is a relationship that seems to have dried up. Where there was love, now there's hate. Where there was passion, now there is just a sense of dry going through the motions in that relationship where there was spiritual fervor where there was a first love experience in your life now it seems like spiritually you're just going through the motions in your life where there was joy and a sense of happiness in your life, where there was a sense of peace, where there was a sense of vitality 
in you emotionally now it seems like you get up in the morning but there's no vitality in you and you have taken as many vitamin D's as you could possibly get your hands on but emotionally you're still dried up. When there's no rain, things dry up. When there's a lack of water, things dry up. When there's a drought in the land, when there's a drought in our heart, when there's a drought in our spirit, things dry up. So let me ask you this question. If you feel so dried up today, what should be your response? What could be your response? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that whoever feels dried up today, that God, that they would be motivated to get up and go to the place where you'll provide them food and water for their dry soul and their weary heart. Father, touch this message today. Father, sweep across this place by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would go into, Lord, that living room or that Starbucks or wherever the person is tuning in today via live stream. God bless us in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The scripture brings us to a very dry place called Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. And if you listen carefully this morning, I believe that God wants to speak to you through this dried up ravine. Now, I don't know, we don't know a great deal about Elijah except that he was a Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead. Now, we do know something about Tishbites. They're rugged. They're rugged men. They live on the field. They're strong hunters, tough guys. And so Elijah is the John the Baptist of the Old Testament. He looks rugged. He doesn't shave much. He doesn't worry about what people think about him. He has holes in his jeans. He wears a white T-shirt that's got a little stain on it. He doesn't really care if his clothes are ironed. He doesn't care if they're wrinkled. He's a tough guy. He's rugged. But God speaks through him. Aren't you glad that God speaks through all kinds of different people in this world? Be careful that you don't judge the outside of the cover. I remember when I made the transition from suits. You remember that. Some of you still don't like me for it. I remember when I went from wearing a suit and the Holy Spirit said to me, no more suits. Not that the Holy Spirit doesn't like suits. He likes suits, and some of you look really nice in them. But the Holy Spirit just directed me that I should change a little bit of my appearance so that in some ways I would appeal to a younger generation. Because the older generation, they should be mature enough to hear the voice and the word that's coming through my mouth, not just look at me outwardly. And I remember this young lady who came over to me one day. I was at a funeral and I was preaching and I always preach in a suit at a funeral out of respect. She came over to me right after the service and she said, Pastor Steve, that's my pastor in a suit. That's the way you should come to church every Sunday morning. Oh, praise the Lord. I did everything I could. I'm telling you, Brother Jim, I don't know if you remember, but J Brother Jim actually stepped between me and the woman because I was going to lose my sanctification right there and lay hands on her. And I wasn't talking about holy hands either. Woo! And I actually said to her, I said, listen, 
Did you see how many people raised their hands to give their lives to the Lord in this funeral service because I preached the gospel? But you couldn't see all the hands that were raised because you were just waiting to let me know that you don't like the way I changed my wardrobe on Sunday morning. How traditional we could get. How, how shallow we could become. You know, the next time I come to church, I'm going to come with an earring in my ear. And I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, go, I'm going to see how many of you can hear the message. Hear the message. No, I won't. My wife won't let me. But I, I just want to make a point, and the point is God speaks through all kinds of different individuals. And it's not what they look like on the outside. It's, it's what they have on the inside. It's whether they love Jesus on the inside. We get so dogmatic and traditional that God can use anyone. And God uses this rough man called Elijah from Tishba. And Elijah was called to be a prophet in a very difficult time in the history of Israel. You see, Israel was doing really well when David was the king. Well, not so well all the time, but most, for the most part, Israel was blessed. And then Solomon, and Solomon, man, listen, what, what we do as leaders in moderation, our followers do in excess. And little by little, little by little, David and Solomon, all the way up to Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, man, he was a wicked king. And then Jeroboam, he, 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 he made this incredibly, you know, difficult situation for Israel. While he's leading Israel, he, he becomes an idolater and he passes it on to his sons and so on and so on. And now we find that, we find that there's a king. His name is Ahab. And Ahab is so wicked that the Bible says that Ahab, there was no king in Israel that was as wicked as Ahab. And he marries a woman, and her name is Jezebel. Woo, does that ring a bell? And Ahab marries a woman from outside of Israel, because in those days they did that as well to make peace with other kingdoms. And that's what got David in trouble many times. That's what got Solomon in trouble. But Ahab is so wicked, the Bible says he was the most wicked king that Israel ever had. And he turned the hearts of the people towards this god called Baal. Baal was the fertility god. And so instead of worshiping Jehovah God and blessing Jehovah God and thanking Jehovah God for the great harvest... The king said to the people, it was Baal who blessed you. It was Baal that sent the rain. It was Baal that actually blessed the kingdom of Israel. And so he turned the hearts of the people away from Jehovah God. And notice, the God of Baal demanded, demonic forces demanded, that in order for him to bless the people, they would have to sacrifice their children. Am I going anywhere today? Are you hearing me? Do I need to say any more? And thousands of babies and thousands of firstborn children were put to death. This year alone, 41 million babies around the world were put to death, slaughtered, murdered. I don't care what. All you have to do is open your eyes, folks. All you have to do is open your eyes and you know that that's slaughter. Slaughter. And the Bible is emphatic. The Bible makes no, absolutely no conditions for compromising. The Bible is emphatic that at conception we are all children. And we are human beings. Hello, 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 hello. Please, please. Oh, there he goes again. There he goes again. Please, friends, understand. God will judge this nation for the murder of millions of children. 
Don't allow the enemy to deceive you to think that that's, that's not the case. The scripture is clear that when Elizabeth was pregnant, John the Baptist leaped in her womb. Can you imagine if somebody said, no, we don't want that child? Jeremiah said, before I was born, God knew me. And David said, I was fearfully, wonderfully made within my mother's womb. Life begins at conception. And shortly after the woman finds out that she's pregnant, the baby already has a heartbeat. The baby already can do a lot of things. And if it wasn't a living being, then it wouldn't have to be so violently ripped from the mother's womb. Come on. Please, come on, folks. We cannot compromise this. We cannot compromise this. We cannot. A few weeks ago, I sat with a senator in his office. I have been invited to go to pray for the Senate. Please pray for me. April 2nd, I pray that you would fast and pray for me. I've been invited to go up to Albany and pray to open up the Senate session. I'm very honored that they chose me. One pastor, once a year, from this region, they chose me to do that. And I sat down in a senator's office and I said, before I do that, I need you to understand, I need you to know that I am pro-life from the moment of conception. You need to know that. You need to know I would not be a man of integrity. He was polite. He was honorable. We had a conversation. It was a great conversation. The conversation continues to happen. The door is open, and I'm praying that I will be light because light makes everything brighter and salt makes everything better. And I pray that God gives me words. I pray that God gives me wisdom. But I will not stop preaching the truth. I will not stop fighting for life. I will not. And if that offends you, then you need to go to God and ask God what he should do. So these people were similar to what we see happening today in our country. And so God has to give them a sign that they're going in the wrong direction. So what does God do? The, the very thing they're believing that their God, Baal, has delivered for them, which is rain. The very thing that they believe their God was providing, which was fertility and blessings and harvest. God said, I'm going to show you. Who's the God who really gives it to you? And he sends this prophet in ripped jeans and a white t-shirt to the king Ahab. And he says, Ahab, for three and a half years, there will not be one drop of rain. And there was a famine in the land. But God says to the prophet Elijah... I want you to go to a place, and when you go there, I will provide for you. I want you to know, Christian, today, that when you are in the middle of God's will, when you are in the center of God's will, even though the world around you is going crazy, even though the world is collapsing all around you, even though we will feel the effects of a world that's gone mad, I want you to know there will always be a place for you where you can go where God will feed you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. There will always be a place where God will provide for you. Why? Because he loves his children and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. When you're in the center of God's will, God will keep you. Praise the Lord. Sister Ruthie, she got married. Stand up, Sister Ruthie. This is this young lady. Honey, honey, this is the young lady I was telling you about. She came to church five years ago broken, broken. She got divorced, but God healed and restored her marriage, and she got remarried to the same husband on Thursday. God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. I'm so proud of you. 
Pray, come on, give it up. God is a restoring God. God is a healing God. God is a God that blesses us. When we're in the will of God, when we're in the center of God's will, there is a way where it seems to, to be no way. Glory to God. Oh, Ruthie came broken. She thought there was no way. She gave her life to God. She gave her life to God, and she found the place where God fed her for five years. God fed her. God brought her the word. God showed her what he wanted her to do, and she went back, and God blessed her. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Woo! And sooner or later, the water ran out. And the truth is, most people try to find other sources of water instead of repenting and crying out to God when their brook runs dry. That's the problem with our country. Our brook ran dry 2001, but we said we're going to rebuild without God. And our schools have run dry, but we keep on going the same direction. Our courthouses are a mess, but we keep on going in the same direction. See, we're so obstinate. We're so proud. We think you tear down a building, we'll build another one. You take something away, we'll restore it. Economy collapses, we'll do something else. Friend, I want to tell you, we are on the brink of a drought in this country. God is going to judge America. I know you don't want to hear it. I know you want to hear good messages all the time. Turn on the TV, you'll find a bunch of preachers that will just give you good messages. And then they'll take your money. Soon there was no water, and the plants dried, and the plants died, and the cattle died, and the food was running out, and the people were thirsty. But God told Elijah, leave here, this dry place. Turn eastward to the Kareth Ravine. Now, the word Kareth is a very interesting word in the Hebrew. It's an interesting word because it means a cut-off place or a place of removal, a special place, a place of protection. And why did Elijah need protection? Well, number one, because Jezebel, she could ring your bell. <laughs> he had to run from Ahab and Jezebel because they wanted to kill him. Listen to me. When you speak the truth in love, when you speak the truth, the gospel, somebody is not going to like you. I thank God I have people that don't like me. Because Jesus said, if everyone speaks well of you, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not speaking truth. Listen to me. When you speak the truth, when you hold on to the truth, I don't care if the whole world says this is right. If God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. And when you hold on to that, there will be people that won't like you. And they're going to persecute you. So Ahab has to run for his life. Why? Not only did Ahab and, and, and Jezebel want to kill him, but after a couple of months, the people wanted to kill him because he was the one who said there's not going to be any more rain. So now he has to find the place of protection. But it's also a place of provision. He said, you will drink from the brook that I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. It was in this special place that God provided water for Elijah. When no one else in the whole land had water, God provided food and water for Elijah. Now notice how he provides the food. He doesn't go to a McDonald's. He doesn't go to, you know, to Panera Bread. The Bible says he sits by the brook every morning and every evening and the ravens come and deliver it to his house and he doesn't even have to give them a tip. Come on, somebody. <laughs> this is an amazing deal. But we, we, we pass right over that. But, but you know what a raving was? It was a bird. It was a bird that was an a, 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 a dirty, filthy bird that was unholy, and the, the Israelites would have nothing to do with a raven. But how many know that God uses the foolish things of this world to bless his people? Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, a blessing's coming in a place where you would never, ever, ever believe it could come from. Come on, somebody. God will even use the heathen to bless his children. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 
A blessing's coming and it's coming to you in a place where you didn't know it could come from. Oh, because we get so holy and we get so dignified. Can anything good come from Nazareth? See, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that God will always provide for his people no matter what. No matter how difficult the circumstance may be all around us, God takes care of his children. God is faithful. God always provides for the needs of the ones that he loves. I love what David said. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I like what Paul the Apostle says. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. According to his riches in glory. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. He said, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within him. And forget not how many times you have benefited from his provisions in your life. For almost two and a half years, Elijah enjoys fresh water from the ravine every morning. He doesn't have to hunt. He's a hunter, but he doesn't have to hunt. And every evening, hand-delivered. Every evening, he's got a meal. Every morning, he's got fresh water. But the Bible tells us some time later, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. I suppose that in the beginning when God was really providing for Elijah, he wasn't even worried about it. I mean, he'd go every day, take the water, take a little bit more water, take a little bit more water. But I suppose something told Elijah that he should get a ruler and start to look and see if the water is going down. And he noticed, in the beginning he couldn't notice, but now he noticed the water's going down, water's going down, water's going down, water's going down, water's going down. And he notices that the brook is almost dry. But he's still there. But then, one morning he got up, and the Bible says the brook totally ran dry. Now what is Elijah to do? Elijah could have questioned God. God, I've been faithful. This was a good place. This was a safe place. This was a comfortable place for Elijah. And I could just imagine what Elijah was thinking now. What do I do now? Lord, I've been faithful to you all these years. Lord God, I'm I'm the man that spoke up when nobody else wanted to speak up. I'm the man who stood with you, God. I was on your side. Where do I go from here? Where do I find water? Everywhere else is is death and, and dryness and drought. God, why would you allow my brook to run dry? And the truth is, in all of our lives, there will be times when God will allow us to run out. And we'll question the faithfulness of God. God, I've been tithing and tithing and tithing. How come I'm facing financial difficulty? Lord, I've been praising you. I've been blessing you. I've been working for you, Lord God. And now my body is racked with pain and I'm sick. Why is it that God sometimes allows our brook to run dry in our life? Because I believe God sometimes allows our brook to run dry because we trust too much in the brook instead of trusting in God. We just get comfortable at the brook. Come on. Come on, we're all human beings. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want, I just want to be comfortable. I mean, we like to be comfortable. I work really hard. Lord, I've worked so hard. I've planted so many seeds, Lord. I've, I've, I've reached so many people, God. I, I just want to find the place where I can settle down and settle in. Listen, I don't think anybody should ever totally retire from work. Listen to me. Look at me. The moment you retire and you sit around and watch the love boat, that's when your boat's going to go and you're going to die. Because God... 
doesn't want us to sit around without purpose. God doesn't want us to sit around without meaning. Listen to me. Last Saturday, I went to a church. Sister Jackie, oh my goodness, you're my hero. Come on. Sister Jackie, come on, come on up here for a minute. This young lady, wow. Come on up here, Sister Jackie. Give this young lady a big hand. I, I want you to meet Sister Jackie. I, you got to meet this woman of God. I love putting people on the spot. This woman's like, I'm... This is Sister Jackie. Sister Jackie, come on. You, you need to be up here where everyone can see you. This is Sister Jackie. Now, Sister Jackie, I know that I'm not supposed to ask a woman how old she is. But how old are you? 80 years young. Oh. And for how many years have you do, have been gathering people and having them pray all night long and pray and seek God for revival? How many years? More than 48. More than 40 years. I'm going to call you Mosette. 40 years. 40 more years. You might have another 40 to go. Every Tuesday morning, every Saturday morning, a group of Haitian people gathered together to pray and seek the face of God. So Pastor Leslie Spurt, he, he tells me one day that there's a woman that comes to your church. Her name is Sister Jackie, and she gathers people. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, how many people can she gather? I'm just being honest. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, it's a small Bible study. And they would like for you to come on a Tuesday morning and speak. So I said, okay, I'll go. It's a small Bible study. I'll share a few words. I walked into that building on a Tuesday at 1130. You should go visit and pray with them. I walked into that building. There were probably 200 plus people on their face, praising God, worshiping God. Wow! I said, this is my kind of place. I preached my guts out. We had church, amen? Yes. And God is doing, you know why I say that? Because here's a woman in her 80s, 80 years old. And she still is doing the work of the kingdom of God. You're never too old to do the work of the kingdom of God. Father, I just pray right now, God, for Sister Jackie, that you bless her and anoint her. God, help her to be a phenomenal leader, God. And, Lord, I thank you for the work that she's doing. I know, Lord, that the things that we do at Bethlehem are in direct result of her prayers and the prayers of the women who meet every morning at Bethlehem. Bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Give Sister Jackie a big hand. Sister Jackie, you almost tried to kill me. What a wonderful woman of God. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Who put that step there? <laughs> oh, man. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. But the blessing of God can sometimes become to us if we don't be careful, the very thing that God blesses us with becomes an idol in our life. Elijah just wanted to settle down. He was comfortable. He had enough. And sometimes having enough becomes our God. And it keeps us from being obedient to what God has called us to do. It's called idolatry. And the people of Israel had forgotten who gave them what they had. And may, maybe God knew that Elijah's faith was focused more on the brook than it was on God. Perhaps he started trusting in the blessing more than the blesser. Listen to me. God wants to bless us. 
But the moment that the blessing becomes our God is the moment that God moves into action, listen to me, to dry up the brook in our life. Why? Because God doesn't want you to be so connected to that blessing that it becomes your idol and your God, that God begins to become second in your life so that you start to really believe that somebody else did it instead of God. It may not happen in an instant. That relationship that you were depending on to give you what you thought you needed to get instead of getting it from God, it will dry up in your life. That job that God blessed you with so that you can learn that God is a God of faithfulness. That job that God gave you now becomes your security blanket. And sooner or later, it won't be enough to bring you the sense of security in your life. And it'll dry up. Why? Because you're depending on your job. You're depending on your finances. You're depending on the blessings of God instead of looking to God. Even those spiritual habits in your life of praying every day. Even those spiritual habits in your life of reading the Bible sometimes can become so rote that you do it out of obligation. You do it just because you're satisfied and God has to shake you out of that. God has to shake you out of your complacency. God's got to get you out of that place. Why? Because if you stay there too long, you'll dry up and die. Come on, somebody. So God says it's time to get up and go somewhere else because you're spiritually dry. Come on, somebody. I'm reminded of the woman at the well. The Bible tells us that Jesus goes to this woman at the well and Jesus says to the woman, give me something to drink. And the woman wants to have a spiritual conversation with Jesus. And she wants to tell Jesus where she worships. She says, you worship there, but I worship there. And Jesus says, you know what? Neither there or there is going to give you what you need, but I have what you need. I have everything you need. And if you ask me for a drink, I'll give you a drink. And you'll have water. You'll have enough water to satisfy your soul. She had thought that men could give her satisfaction. After the fourth one, she was singing, I can't get no. <laughs> so, she, so she decided, I'm not going to get married anymore because they don't give me any more satisfaction. And listen to me let, me, let me just share this with you. The only one, the only one who can truly give you the satisfaction that your soul longs for is not the church, is not the Sunday school teacher, it's not the pastor, it's the master. It's not your job, it's not a relationship, it's not your marriage, it's not your children, it's only God. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy every need that you have in your life. It's only Jesus. And the reason why some of you, everything in your life is dried up around you is because you're running after your job or you're running after a person. And God says, listen, I've got to intervene. I've got to divinely intervene so that I can show them that if they keep on going that way, it's going to kill them. It's going to destroy them. So God dried everything up around you because he wants to get your attention. Is there something in your life that is dry? Is there something in your life that's just not working? It's broken because God allowed it to be broken. Because he wants you to be broken so you can come back to Jesus. Amen. During the Passover feast, Jesus comes to Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest. To eat and to drink and to celebrate. And while they're eating and drinking and celebrating the harvest, remember the harvest, the same people that were worshiping Baal, they're celebrating the harvest, not the Lord of the harvest, the harvest. Jesus stands up in the middle of this church service, in the middle of this celebration, right in the middle of the temple. And listen what Jesus says. Listen what he says. On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, Anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from them. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Listen to how the prophets describe God's Spirit. With joy, 
you will draw water from the springs of salvation. Isaiah says, then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy for waters will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah said, for I will pour water on a thirsty land and currents on dry ground and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offsprings. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you without money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. The Lord will always guide you, Isaiah said. He will satisfy you in a sun-scorched land and strengthen you. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Ezekiel said, where the river flows, there will be swarms of living creatures and great number of fish because it flows there and makes the water fresh. So wherever the river flows, everything will flourish. You know what he's talking about, folks, as the worship team comes? Personal revival. A place where God wants to come again. And give you personal revival. See, too many of us are depending on other things. And we need, again, revival. Because our soul is dry. Our spirit is in a drought. We used to feel the presence of God. We used to know the presence of God. And now we're dried up. And we need a touch of his spirit. We need the rain to come and flood our dry souls and water our dying spirits. Maybe your brook has run dry. Maybe it's time to stop trusting in anything other than God. And come this morning and drink from the river. Secondly, God sometimes allows the brook to run dry because he's about to take you into a new season in your life. You could start playing. It gives them hope. Listen, listen, as I close, God instructed the prophet to walk a hundred miles north to the city of Zarephath. There he would find a widow who would provide for him. Again, Elijah obeyed God. He walked a long road, listen, and found the widow near the gate of the city gathering sticks. She was down to her last bit of flour and oil, so... The decision had been made to gather some sticks. Look at me. Make a fire. Bake a little loaf of bread for a dying young son and herself. Eat and then die. You see, the truth is, as long as Elijah was, what, was at the ravine, feeding off the, the ravens, he would never see the new opportunity, the new season that God had for him. So God allowed the, the brook to run dry, the thing that he was dependent on. Maybe you're dependent on someone, something, a source, somewhere, and it's run dry. As long as Elijah had water and had the ravine feeding him, he would, he would have never left that ravine. And he would have never experienced the new season that God had for his life. Why would he leave if he had enough? If he had everything that he thought he needed. But the truth is, he didn't have everything he needed. He didn't have people. He was all alone. He didn't have opportunity. Because while he was sitting at the ravine, he wasn't in ministry. He was just sitting at the ravine. You understand? There were no people there. He didn't have to talk to the ravens. And so he's just sitting feasting. Look at me, look at me. He's just sitting feasting, 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 feasting. Not giving out, not giving out, not doing anything. Some people say, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, until you start pouring out, you don't need more. And so he just was there, but he needed to go into a new season of miracles in his life. He was the miracle-working prophet. No more miracles, no more ministry, no more prophetic voice. 
No more people. No more ministering to people. No more helping people just sitting at the ravine. It was the same old, same old every single day. It became so predictable. There was no more faith. There was no more stretching. There was no more outreach. There was no more opportunity to see what God wanted to do through his life and in his life. And the truth is Elijah became satisfied with the same old, same old. And there's somebody in this room today that your brook has run dry. That relationship is gone. That source of security is gone. That job has run out. Whatever has simply run out in your life. And right now you're sitting at the edge of the brook and you're wondering, why would God lead me from this place? Here's where God fed me. Wondering if you're ever going to be or even in God's will. Wondering why God would allow it to run out. It may be because there's a new relationship on the horizon. There's a new opportunity. There's a new miracle. Hallelujah. That God wants to do through your life. But you've become so satisfied with being where you are. Listen to me. I tell God all the time, God, if you don't want me to be where I am, God, then dry up the brook so that I'll know, God, there's somebody else. There's somewhere else I need to be, God, because I want to be in your will. Listen to me. God is saying to you this morning, it's time to leave the brook of Kareth because God's saying, I have a new place. I've got a new assignment, a new opportunity, a new miracle, a new season in your life. And this season was good where you are, but it's over. And if you refuse and you lean on your own understanding, you may never know why. You may know, never know the new season of your life. And if you just get up and start walking toward your new season, and if you follow me every step of the way, one step at a time, you'll find that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Elijah gets up from that place and he goes to a place called Zarephath. And the definition of the word Zarephath means this, a smelting shop or a, a workshop for refining, a place of refining, a place of purifying metals. This was a place where God was about to do a deeper work in Elijah's life. James says, consider it pure joy when you go to that place. Listen to me. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. Let me say that again. If you didn't, you didn't hear anything else, hear this. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And I know that you were comfortable where you were. Every day you just go to the river. Every day you just get enough. But God wants to do a greater, deeper, more profound work in your life so he allowed that thing that you were depending on to run dry because God is the very source of everything in your life not your job not your spouse not your kids not your security blanket Jesus is divine so God has a new season for your life and he wants you today to say God I know this is run dry but I'm believing for a new season God allows your brook to run dry because he has a new assignment. He had a new assignment for Elijah, and he has a new assignment for you. So he goes to Zarephath. When he gets there, he meets a widow. And he tells the widow, listen, give me what you have, and God will provide for you. And guess what happens? Elijah settles in Zarephath, and he begins to minister. Listen to me. He begins to minister in that city. And there's a boy. It's a young boy. He's the boy of the widow who was going to die. And I could imagine Elijah in the prophet's chamber every day coming down and pouring into the life of this young boy. Why? Because God was about to use that young boy for his glory and his honor. See, God allows your brook to run dry because some of you have been depending too much on that brook and not enough on your walk with Jesus. God has allowed your brook to run dry because he's got a new season in your life. And God's allowed your brook to run dry because he's got a new assignment. 
So if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, you say, Pastor, I want, I want God to do a deeper work in my life. Maybe you've lost your first love. Maybe there's a relation, whatever it is, it's run dry. You say, Pastor, I, I need the Holy Spirit to, to water my soul today. I need personal revival. I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me, Pastor. That's me, Pastor. That's me, Pastor. I want personal revival. That's me, Pastor. That's me, Pastor. That's me, Pastor. I want God to touch me again. If that's you today and you're raising your hands, why don't you just stand and lift up your hands towards God right now. You say, Pastor, Pastor, I, I, I need to move into a new season of my life. That old season is done. And now I need to embrace a new season in my life. Come on, raise your hands right now. Stand up and say, I embrace a new season in my life. Pastor, Pastor, my brook has run dry, but I'm believing God for a miracle. I was depending on that brook, but I'm going to believe God for a miracle. A new season's coming in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, raise your hand. A new season's coming in my life. Come on. There's somebody in this place. You're a little older in life, and you're thinking to my, yourself, my life is done. I'm just going to take my ease. And God's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. There's a new season of ministry coming. There's a new season of ministry that's coming. There's a new season of ministry that's coming. I'm going to plant you in a new place. You didn't want to leave. You didn't want to go. But God said, it's time for you to go because there's somebody. There's a young man. There's somebody. There's a young Steve Malazzo who needs to be encouraged to go on and do the great things that God wants to do through his life. And he's moved. Moving you on to a new season, a new place. I embrace it, God. I embrace it, God. I embrace it. Do a new thing in my life today, God. I embrace it, God. Right now in this place, I just feel the presence of Almighty God. I feel a revival coming on for some of you right now. Hallelujah. Something new, something fresh. Hallelujah. God can do it again. He did it and he'll do it again. I'm telling you, he'll do it again.